Today we are in week four of a series that we've been in called People of Promise. And so week one, we'll just do a little quick recap. Week one, we talked um, about uh, a guy named Hosea, and what he reminded us of is that even in seasons of disobedience in our life, there is not one second where God does not view us through the lens of his promise for our life. God always sees our potential through the lens of his promise, who he dreamed that we could be, who he created us to be. Week two, we talked about the power of prayer, and for whatever reason, God in his goodness to us, his love for us, has allowed for us to have access to the most tender parts of his heart. And so what that means is that when we pray, we are not just participating in some rote experience, religious experience, but we are actually communicating with the God who hears us, who values what we say, and is moved by the words and the heart that we have. And so uh, we talked about the power of prayer. And then last week, last week we looked at the great commandment. And it told us to love our neighbors. And so we asked the question, what would it look like if we actually loved the people who lived in close proximity to us? And we challenged all of you that to over the next few weeks, next few months, how, what would it look like if we just took one step in the direction of loving our neighbors and we got the names of the eight neighbors who lived closest to us? And so uh, we just said, imagine what that would do to your life in your community. And so maybe some of you have done that. At some point, we love to hear more stories of that. If you missed any of those, you can go to our YouTube channel, Eat in the Church, and get caught up on all of it, and we'd love for you to get caught up to speed. Now, I do want to ask a question this morning, and you guys can raise your hand if you feel so inclined, but I wonder how many of you, how many of you at all costs attempt to avoid awkward conversations, if at all possible? We got Mark in the back. We got a few others. We got a few others. All right. All right. Yeah, well, you're not alone. That's me. And, uh, and I think for me, it's maybe particularly uh, hard to be in those conversations because I always like to have something to say, but there are times that I just don't. And I remember a few years ago, uh, someone made a comment about my face. And I think they thought it was a compliment, but I didn't take it as a compliment. They said, Daniel, you look like you're a boxer. <laughs> and, and, right, and if maybe you wanted to be tough looking, then that would be a compliment. But what I interpreted that as was, Daniel, your face is what I imagine a face would look like after many, many years of someone punching it really, really hard. <laughs> like your nose and the shape of your general structure of your face, you look like a boxer. So that was a little awkward. Didn't know how to respond. Did not feel like it was a compliment. <laughs> but maybe you guys have been in similar types of conversations, right? I'm going to say some, I'm gonna say some stuff that makes them feel uncomfortable, okay? Has anyone ever suggested to someone that you thought they were pregnant and they weren't? Okay, awkward conversation. Has anyone ever inadvertently referred to someone as old when that person did not feel old? Okay, that's an awkward, con I don't know how you recover uh, from conversations like that. Have you ever asked somebody if they were going to a party that they did not get invited to, okay? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I hear, I hear it in the, the pain of it all, right? We have all been a part of our awkward conversations, and as much as possible, someone did that to me recently. They said, are you going to this party? I said, what party? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was happening. But anyways, hope you have a great time. <laughs> right, we try to avoid those moments, sometimes perhaps for our own personal self-esteem. But did you know that there's like this whole category of conversations that has been... Uh, universally agreed on as awkward. 
And some of you, this is not as familiar of a statement as it used to be, but there were two rules for the dinner table back in the day, right? Some of you guys know what it is. There are two things you do not talk about when you have people over for dinner. All right, we're going to say it together, right? You don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. And that's kind of interesting. And, uh, and I think that as followers of Jesus, there's a little bit of tension there. If today you come into this room and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, there's a little bit of tension where it is awkward to talk about faith, and yet there is a sense in which maybe we, we want to. That's, that's part, of, uh, part of who we are. And so as often this morning as we try to avoid awkward conversation, this is the one awkward conversation that may be worth getting into, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, and so to do that, we're going to be in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, talks about the life of Jesus in the early church, and we're going to be looking at a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to his friend or uh, his co-worker named Philemon, and so we're going to pick pick up in Philemon chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Paul writes, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all of his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. And so just to give a little bit of context to the letter that Paul is writing to Philemon, Paul was uh, what we would refer to as like a spiritual entrepreneur. In the first century, Paul's life was changed by God. He encountered Jesus. And so from that point forward, he dedicated his life to helping as many people as possible experience what he experienced with Jesus. And so he started churches all over the metropolitan region. And not only did he start churches, but he also mentored a lot of local younger pastors. And part of what Paul would do over the course of their relationship is as he was mentoring some of these younger pastors, uh, he would try to keep tabs on how they were doing in the church. And so sometimes he would go to his in, their Instagram pages and they would check out some of his stories just to make sure the church was as healthy as he remembered it was. Uh, but no, he would, he would get reports from people who knew that Paul was connected to these churches, and they would give him an update on how things were doing. And whenever Paul would receive an update, he would write these little letters, oftentimes of encouragement, to the local pastors just to let them know uh, that he was thinking about them. And I just love that. I love that Paul played that role in so many people's lives. And, And you probably know the value of having a good mentor, right? A good mentor will shoot you a text every once in a while and say, hey, I saw your your Instagram page, or I saw what you're doing with your business, or I saw that your kids are getting big. I just want you to know you're doing a great job as a parent. Hey, you look like you're really serving your kids well. Looks like you're working hard. Just want you to know I see it. Good job. Well, that's what Paul was doing with Philemon. He did that with a number of other pastors. And so Paul basically said two things to Philemon. He said, hey, I have heard that you are leading that church so well. You're serving the Christians in your church You're making their spiritual development a priority in the way that you are leading. You have cared for their needs. You've counseled people. I just want you to know you're you're not no Instagram pastor. You are a real deal pastor serving the real needs of of your community. He said, I want you to know you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Then he said, "I'm I'm also proud of your faith in the Lord. He's like, basically, man, you, you had enough faith to start a church when very few people are starting churches. You had enough faith to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus in a context where it is kind of dangerous to be a Christian. And I just want you to know that I acknowledge the type of faith that you are demonstrating 
in this season of life. Paul is, is being such an encouragement and, and it's so fun to read. But then Paul continues on. He says, but I pray, verse 6, but I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. And so if you were reading into this conversation just a little bit, Paul is saying, you are doing so many of the right things. You're leading Bible studies. You are serving the poor. You are praying for people. You're counseling those in need. You're serving those around you. He's saying you're doing all this important thing, all these important things for Christians, but, but don't forget about your responsibility to those who are not here yet. That's what he says. He says, I pray, I have been asking God that you would be active in sharing your faith. And so we wonder, why would Paul talk about something like this. The reason why Paul makes this a point to mention is because Paul knows that the most dangerous mindset that a follower of Jesus can have is one of inward focus. Because what happens when you have a community of people and you become inward focused is you spend most of your, trying, your time trying to keep those people that you have happy instead of thinking of the people who are not here yet. You focus on the inward. Instead of reaching out, you start to retreat from the world. Instead of loving people who think differently than you do, you start judging people who think differently than you do. And what, what ends up happening, this is a tall tale sign that you know you're walking down this path where you're retreating from the world instead of trying to reach the world, is that you start to become known more for the things that you stand against instead of the things that you stand for. Okay, I'm going to step on some toes this morning. So let's just be careful. We're all friends. We'll give each other high fives after service. But sometimes, if you notice your language and your conversation starting to sound like this, you might be in trouble. You might be thinking, don't get close to those neighbors because I saw them drinking alcohol and they were drinking Bud Light. <laughs> I noticed the other day that they posted on their Instagram that they watch rated R movies. I saw that they went to the Taylor Swift concert and their kids watch Disney movies and I think I saw them shopping at Target. <laughs> All right? What happens is that you start to retreat from the people that God sent you to serve. And you will never be able to influence people that you do not have a relationship with. Remember, one of the last things that Jesus ever told his disciples was not Christians, isolate yourself from the world, live in a safe little bubble to make sure that they will never influence you or the way that you think or the way that you vote. He did not say that. One of the last things that Jesus ever said to his disciples, he said, go and make disciples. That means don't retreat from the world. It means go into the world. It doesn't mean hide from the world. It means be a light in the world. Go into the world, Jesus said, and teach them my ways. Influence them for my sake. And this was the promise that he made. He said, if you are faithful to go into the world, I promise you that whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whatever context you find yourself in, I am going to be with you. 
I will be with you throughout it all. I promise you that. Wherever you go to the ends of the earth, any, as far as you go, I will be right next to you. But he also made another promise. He says that when you go, I will empower you for the work that I have sent you to do. God is going to empower us with the work that he, for the work that he's sent us to do. And so it's no surprise. It's no surprise that Paul was reminding Philemon, he said, you're doing a good work. You're doing good work, and I'm proud of you, but do not forget to be active in sharing your faith. Do not forget what I have called you to. Do not forget about all those people who have still yet to hear the good news about my love for them. Don't forget about them. Serve the people that are in front of you, but don't forget about the people who are not here yet. And here's the real challenging part. Don't you love it? I loved it when I saw my brothers growing up getting in trouble. And I know my kids love it because when I start parenting one kid, I got like a little echo in the background saying, yeah, Grayson, make sure you clean your room, right? We love to point at other fingers, and maybe that's how you feel because we're thinking Paul is talking to Philemon. But here's the challenging part is that God wants the same for us. The message is the same for us. Do not forget to actively share your faith. And I wonder, if maybe for some of us, this is perhaps a relatively new concept. Maybe you came up in church and you were all about the prayer meetings and you were all about the Bible studies and you were all about the worship nights and that was amazing because that was feeding your faith. That was an inward focus and that's not wrong. But sometimes it can be out of balance and if it's all inward, we become a little bit uh, out of balance in the way that we carry our faith. And maybe the question is, I wonder, when is the last time that you had a conversation about your faith with someone who was still trying to figure out their relationship with God? Do you remember the last time you talked about Jesus with someone who you had no idea where they stood with God? When we read the Bible, the only conclusion that we can come to is that if we are followers of Jesus, then sharing our faith is a natural expression of how we connect with God. It is just natural. It's like when you pour water in a cup, if you keep pouring it, at some point what happens, it starts to overflow. That's what our relationship with God is supposed to look like into the world. It's not just about, someone said this this morning, it's not just about what God is doing in us, it's what he wants to do through us. And if I were Philemon, I, I maybe could imagine having a little bit of a rebuttal to what Paul was saying. And I imagine that Philemon's like, Paul, you don't even know how hard it is out here. He's like, I, I literally have 10 Christian friends in this whole entire city. And I'm just telling you, when we come together, it's so nice to have a conversation because I know that we are operating from very similar values. And so when we talk about things, it just makes sense to us. We, we think the same way. We we watch the same movies. We sing all the same worship songs. I mean, our radios, we don't have radios, our iPhones, what are iTunes, we got all the, same, all the same music lists in our phones. And so we know, and it's so nice to just be around those people. And Paul, what you're asking me to do, to, to, to be active in sharing my faith, you're actually asking me to do something that is pretty dangerous. Because I've seen what happens to people who share their faith. Their families abandon them. 
they lose their jobs. I've even seen, Paul, some people who have gotten beaten because of it. I've even seen some of my brothers and sisters in Christ, when they were open about sharing their faith, they lost their lives. And so you can imagine maybe Philemon's hesitancy around sharing his faith. But guess what? Paul tells him to do it anyways. And it was not because Paul was unaware of the situation that Philemon was in. Because Paul has lived all of that. Paul had been ostracized from his family. He had been beaten. And someday Paul was going to die. But he said, still do it. But then I bring that to like 21st century follower of Jesus. And I wonder what our response to Paul would be. Paul, I know that it's important. And I was actually planning to invite my friend to church. But then we got busy our kids are real involved in sports, and we had a bunch of homework this week, and then we had a little family vacation that we were going to take out to Disneyland, and we were going to do it at the end of the day, but what ended up happening is we went and get some ice cream, and you know I'm lactose intolerant, so that was a little heavy on my stomach. I had to go to bed uh, a little early, and so anyways, forgot to get to it. We get busy, right? But that's, that's some of our stories. We get so busy with work and with things to do and being on our phones and that there are just so many distractions and that some things that God has placed as a priority in our life slowly become less and less important. Others of us are like, hey, you know, I would, but I just feel so awkward talking about my faith to other people. and I just don't want to be that awkward person. And can I just tell you, none of you guys have excuses, okay? You're not a pastor. Do you know what being a pastor does to your relationship out here? All right, it ain't like being in the South. If we were in the South, you get respect a little bit. You tell people you're a pastor, they give you the front seat. It's a good deal. You tell people, they, people don't respect being a pastor. It kills the relationship, and I, and I hate it. Uh, the other day, my neighbor invited me to watch a fight, right, on a Saturday night. Didn't want to do it, but I love the guy, and we, was talk, we were all talking this all the other few weeks ago, being a neighbor, so I said, you know, i got to have a story to tell. And... Um, <laughs> And so I went over there, it was late, I should be working on my sermon message, and, uh, and so I go over, and we're having a great time. It's just uh, me and the guys, right, in the garage, watching a Nick Diaz fight, it was wonderful. And uh, we were all, you know, giving each other a hard time, meeting a bunch of the neighbors, and then this one, one chump <laughs> wants to get to know me, and he asked me what I do for a living. And I said, why don't you mind your own business? I'm out of here. No, what I really did say was I said, hey, because, you know, when you get with a bunch of guys, things are said, and, uh, and I'm not there to control the atmosphere. I'm just there to be present. And so there were things that were said, and I said, wait, why don't, why don't I just tell you when the fight's over, and, then, uh, and, we, and we can continue to have a good time. <laughs> and he goes, come on, man, just tell me what you do. And I said, well, I'm a pastor, and the rest of the night was ruined, okay? Nobody, <laughs> nobody had a good time. All right, so I know what it's like to have awkward conversations. And, uh, and I get where you're coming from because it's not that fun. It's not that fun. So that's a legitimate reason. That's maybe sometimes for us, we, we just don't know how the conversation is going to turn out, how it's going to affect the relationship, and we don't want it to be awkward. And I think a lot of this plays into it, but I actually think that the main reason that most people uh, don't, don't, uh, share their faith actively is because oftentimes we don't think that we know enough. And we can go ahead and bring that board up wherever it is, if you guys are available. But look at what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that is not actually how it works. He says, but I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full 
understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Notice that Paul says it is the sharing of your faith, then the understanding. And so he kind of lays out what I believe is God's pattern for spiritual growth in our life. It's having faith first, and then we experience the blessing. And so this is sort of Paul's pattern that he's describing. He's saying if you are faithful to share your faith, if you are willing to step out in obedience, can everybody see that? Step out in obedience. He says this is what you'll experience. Life transformation. You will see that God will take your little bit of faith and your little bit of obedience and he will produce life transformation. He will use it for eternal purposes, our tiny little bits of faith. And then this is what happens. We gain, oh, this is rough. Okay. Understanding. Okay. We gain understanding. When we act in faith and we watch God use that little bit of faith, we see how he will use our seeds and he'll create sequoias of impact in the world. And we start to understand that it's not that much that he's asking of us, but we just have to do it to experience it, to believe it. And when we start to understand that if I do a little, God does a lot, it becomes a lifestyle of outward focus. Focus, okay? We see it happen enough, and we watch God use our lives to impact other people, and it just becomes addicting. We're like, we just want to keep living this way. I want to keep doing the things that God wants me to do so that he'll use my life for his purposes in this world. It becomes addicting, and you just kind of go through the process over and over again, and what happens over time is that you start here as a follower of Jesus, and you go through the cycle, and you just kind of have season after season of faithfulness, and you get to experience more of God in your life. And it's not always perfect, right? It's usually three steps forward, two steps back. But the trajectory of your life is walking closer and closer to God in your commitment to him. But this is the danger. And I would say that this is where 95% of people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus fall into this category. Is that you never take the step to talk about your faith into this world. The, the fear of having an awkward conversation is too great. Or the busyness of your schedule has just distracted you from this priority in your life. And because you never share, you never get to be a part of someone's story. You never get to be a part of pushing someone a little bit closer to Jesus. And I'm not talking about like praying a prayer with someone, but doing your part to help someone walk down the path of following Jesus. You never get to see that or experience that firsthand. You just hear stories about it. And because you never experience that, your understanding never changes. You continue to live in the same old lifestyle that you've always lived, never stepping out in faith, always understanding God's power from an outsider's perspective. And if you never have understanding, then it never becomes a lifestyle. It never becomes a part of who you are. And that's the danger. I'm going to slide this over to the side because I think we're done with that. 
Put that over there. But that's the danger. That's the danger of never stepping out in faith. And the sad part is that it's just so easy to become focused on all of us. And that's especially true, can I just say that, in an area like the Silicon Valley. I, I, I work with Christians most days. And if you were out in like a regular job, a real job people like to refer to it as, <laughs> then you guys are probably longing for relationships where you can talk about your faith. And I know that it is hard, but that is a natural trend toward becoming, retreating from the world instead of trying to reach the world. So we push back, about, or, uh, back against that. And, and that's been part of the goals of this church. One of the values in our church is one is greater than the 99. And it comes from the parable in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is talking about the shepherd who had 100 sheep. 99 were present, but they were missing one. And this is what it tells us that the shepherd did. And by the way, the shepherd is a symbol of Jesus. And it tells us that the shepherd left the 99, left the comfort of the community, and he went off and he searched for the one. That is the heart of God. So the question then is how do we do that? Let's assume that we're all in agreement that if we're followers of Jesus, his hope is that we would be active in sharing our faith. I want to give you two real practical, simple things to do, and it all comes from Scripture. Number one is you can just share your story. In John chapter 9, there was a story of a man who was born blind. Jesus healed him. The man went around town telling everybody what he did. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, did not believe him, and so they started questioning him, and this was the man's response. He says, I don't know what happened. All I know is that I was blind, and now I can see. And you do not have to have some kind of theological education or have to have gone to seminary or read the Bible or memorized all this scripture to be able to tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Who were you before Jesus and who have you become after? And some of you may think, I don't have a very powerful story, but I promise you, you do. Because I know that for many of you, when you were living your life before you, you met Jesus, you were as anxious as a butterfly, right? Just flapping your little wings all around life, barely keeping your head above water. And, when you, and then when you met Jesus, he gave you perspective on your life. That is who you were. Some of you were depressed before you met Jesus. Some of you were so bitter because you could not forgive people who have hurt you. And when you came into a relationship with Jesus, he freed you from that in a moment. That is all that you have to do. You don't have to give some diatribe of the Gospels or some summary of the Old Testament. You just got to be able to tell what, people what Jesus did for you. I once was blind, but now I can see. Number two. Number two, you can just invite somebody to church. Okay, we just keep it simple. John chapter 4, Jesus had an interaction with a Samaritan lady. And nobody, uh, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And so Jesus was demonstrating love by being in conversation with her. And he told her, he said, the last five husbands you have, uh, is, it, you've, you've had five husbands and the person that you're with today is not your husband. And the lady was absolutely shocked because Jesus had told her everything that she had ever done. And she goes around to this town and she says, you guys will not believe what this person did. He's some traveling prophet, but I'm telling you, he told me everything I ever did. You got to come see them, see him. She didn't know anything about Jesus. All she did was invite other people into an experience that changed her. 
And that's all you have to do. And you may ask the question, why do we have all these events at Eden Church? Okay? Why do we spend money on tacos? Okay? Well, just so you know, in the early church, they ate together a lot. And unless you want to bring your own food to church, we're going to provide some tacos. Okay? But the other part of that is we want to make it easy for you to invite friends to this community. We want to make it easy. We're just trying to give you an excuse we got ice cream. We got bounce houses for the kids. We're doing some faith painting. And by the way, in a few weeks, we're having Comeback Sunday. This is our second biggest event of the year. We're going to have all the things going on. It's going to be an amazing time, food, ice cream, tacos, all that stuff. And it's going to be a blast. But this is why we do it. It's so that you can be active in sharing your faith with those around you. It's just an excuse. My friend Shauna Pilgrim wrote a book recently, and it was about how to translate Jesus into modern-day language. And this is what she writes. She said, evangelism, you know, the act of sharing your faith, isn't coercion or conversion, but a caring conversation, saying that I've got something so good to share that it would be ridiculous not to share. I've been telling you guys that some of us have been in a Bible app uh, when we did seven days of prayer and fasting, and it was just an amazing time to hear from people. But uh, one of the people that was commenting wrote something that was real insightful, and she shared about uh, something that someone had shared with her in the past. And she said, she said something to the effect that having the gospel but not giving it away or not sharing it with others is like having a cure for a disease that everyone has, but you keep it to yourself. It's like having a cure for a disease that everyone has, except you keep it for yourself. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, you are not saying, I've got it all figured out. You're just saying, guys, I know where the hospital is. And I have been a patient there, and I promise you they do good work. Come with me if you're hurting. That is all that we're saying. We don't got it all figured out, but we just know how to get help. And look at how Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans, frames our role in this process. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Did you know that the church is God's solution to a hurting world? And that's why all throughout scripture, you hear, you hear Jesus saying things like, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You are a lamp that has been set on a hill and you are not meant to hide, but you are meant to shine your light bright in the darkness. And I promise you that if you are faithful to go, that the, even the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. We've got to remember that there is no one else coming. We are God's solution to a dying world. A few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, some of you remember we were doing a lot of promotion for kids camp. And, uh, and part of it was we were sending out flyers all throughout the neighborhood. And actually during the week of kids camp, we had people going out to the parks. And they were just inviting people to come to kids camp and, you know, where they imagined families would be. And uh, we had a crew that was at John D. Morgan Park here in Campbell. And they were just handing out flyers, handing out flyers. And they came across a family, the Ruels. Some of you may have met Ben, but he's here today. And, uh, and it was a divine moment. Because for whatever reason, 
There had been a season in Ben's life where he had not been involved actively uh, in a local church. And he, by his own description, would say that it had been some time. That this had been a part, a normal part of his rhythm for his family. And so he met that group of people at the park. He got the flyer. He brought his family to kids camp. And they came every single day. And it was so amazing to see, like, his kids experiencing all the fun stuff that was happening at kids camp. But here's this powerful part. Is that Ben didn't stop coming to this church after kids camp was over. He showed up that next Sunday. And then he came the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that. And I don't think that Ben has missed a Sunday since he has been at kids camp. And there is some beautiful stuff that is happening in Ben's life. And he is becoming like the spiritual leader in his family. And it is wonderful. But do you realize that Ben may not be where he is today if someone did not have the willingness to have an awkward interaction with someone else? I know that there are a lot of awkward conversations to try to avoid in the world today. We live in a sensitive time. But don't let sharing your faith be one of them. And so this morning, I want to ask you to step into a challenge. Okay, we always do kind of a little challenge at the end of every message. But I want to challenge you this week to talk about Jesus. I'm not saying talk to someone about Jesus. I just want to challenge you to talk about Jesus. And so an example of what that might look like is you go to work, after a long weekend, you see someone you know, and they ask you the proverbial question that they're going to ask everybody. So every one of you is going to be asked this. How was your weekend? And instead of saying, oh, it was good. I went surfing, hung out with the family, watched a little TV, got, caught the Niners game. I want you to be honest. I want you to tell someone you went to church, okay? <laughs> I want you to tell someone I went to church on Sunday. Look, we're all breaking eye contact now, okay? I want you to... Tell someone, and don't be weird about it, okay? Don't have to be weird. You make it weird. We don't have to make it weird. But just say, hey, I've been going to church, and I've been learning more about Jesus, and it's been a real positive thing in my life. How was your weekend? Okay? Don't try to do anything else, but just, just talk about Jesus in your normal day life and see what happens. I imagine that some people might feel awkward. But I imagine that if every single person in this room did this this week, someone's going someone's gonna to have a conversation that goes like this. Oh, really? I didn't realize that you were a person of faith. You know, I've been asking a lot of questions in my life recently. And I wonder if maybe I can go to church with you. I'm telling you, if every single one of us had a conversation, at least one of us would have a conversation like that. Maybe not exactly like that, but I promise you, you will not be met with as much resistance as you think you will. Because if you're not being forceful, if you're not being rude or arrogant or prideful, you're just saying, God's doing something to me, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And it's been good for me. So that's the challenge this week. Let's talk about Jesus. Because what I love is that Jesus has never once been ashamed to talk about us. There's never been one moment where Jesus wouldn't step into an awkward moment for us. And when Jesus could have decided not to hang on that cross naked and bleeding and bruised with a crown of thorns on his head, 
He did it anyways because we were worth it to him. And there are some of you this morning that showed up in this room and you are still trying to examine your relationship with God. You feel like maybe you're one of those people who are a little distant from God. I want to give you an opportunity this moment to cross the finish line of faith and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender my life and my heart and to experience the goodness that he has on the other side of faith. And so if that's you this morning, we're going to go ahead and have everyone close their eyes and bow their heads. And today, if you're ready to step into faith for the first time, I'm going to ask you to pray this simple prayer after me. There's nothing special about the words. It's whether or not these words reflect the desire of your heart. And you can pray these words, repeat these words after me in your heart. Dear God, thank you for loving me when I was far from you. I realize, God, that I can't do this on my own. And every time I do life my way, I mess it up. I'm ready to trust that you love me enough to send your son to die on that cross so that I didn't have to carry the weight of my own sin. And I'm ready to believe that you can do more with my life than I can. I'm here today to surrender. And I ask that you give me the strength to follow you in the days to come. In Jesus' name. I believe. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. And for those of you who prayed that prayer in your heart, I want to ask you to just take one more simple step of faith. And we ask you to do this because we know that whenever God is moving in your heart spiritually and you respond physically, it solidifies something in your life. And that's what we want today to be. You showed up not knowing that God was going to meet you here. But he has been planning this forever. He has been knocking at the door of your heart, and maybe today is the day that you're ready to let him in. You're ready to put down the fences and say, God, I surrender it all. I can't do it anymore. I want you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to quickly raise your hand and let us know so that we can be a support to what is happening. One, God loves you so much. Two, you need to know you didn't end up in this room on accident. Three, go ahead and raise your hand this morning. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Any others? Any others? If you're tuning in online, I want to encourage you to hit the button at the bottom by the comments section. We have a host person who would love to get you some information on how to help you continue to grow in your relationship with God. Father, I thank you that there's never one moment that you're not willing to do a deep work in our lives today. And I thank you for every person who stepped into faith this morning. God, I thank you that you're in work in all of us. And God, I pray that, that if we are followers of Jesus, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us this week, God, that you would give us the lenses to see opportunities all around us to share about your love, to be faithful to share about what you're doing in our life and to see, Lord, how that might be an opportunity for someone else. We are here today because someone did that for us. And so, God, I pray that you'd empower us this week to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys do me a favor this morning? Can we celebrate every life that stepped into faith?